What's up, guys? Welcome back to Transformation Church. We are beyond excited to be once again back in our home. We're coming to you from the lobby at the new campus as we believe God is going to do some amazing things in our home. We're getting it ready for you, but today we're online and we're so happy that you are with us. And, and today we're going to kick off uh, a Father's Day message. It is Father's Day. So if you have a father near you right now, just look at him and say, Happy Father's Day. Uh, if you're unsure whether or not they're a father, maybe skip out on that part, okay? Like, we don't want it to get weird. No, I'm just kidding. So, like, it is. Uh, Father's Day message, but the message I want to bring to you today, it is about fathers, but I want you to hear something for a second. It's for everyone. So no matter where you are, these uh, principles that we're going to talk about right now, they actually apply to anybody. And so uh, I hope you grab a hold of this word uh, today. And because I haven't, you know, as, uh, as a pastor, and I've never met a father who would say out loud that they don't pray for their kids, right? They don't pray for their family. Um, so at least a Christian father, I've never met one that that doesn't pray for their family. And James 5, 16 says this. It says, the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man, um, and we could even say person, a righteous person, avails much, right? So James 5, 16 says, the effective, fervent prayers of a righteous person avails much. And, and, and so, uh, man, what I do know uh, is for those of you men out there that are husbands or if you have a girlfriend, so if you have a wife or you have a girlfriend, there's one time that you pray a lot, right? And you're praying for patience. And that's when your wife or your girlfriend is deciding where you're going to eat. Can I get an amen? Right? Like, so uh, how many of you ever been in that place where you're like, Lord, would you just help this person choose where we're about to go to dinner or lunch? Right? I mean, it happens to all of us. Like we're, we're like, oh, I just wish that they would decide already. You want to know why? Because she rarely knows what she wants. I know for my wife, Ashley, uh, we'll be talking about where we're going to go eat. And we're trying to figure out where we're going to go. And she doesn't know what she wants. Therefore, my prayer is like, God, would you please help us figure out where we're going to go? <laughs> right? But here's the thing. She's just certain of something. So she doesn't know what she wants, but she is certain of what she doesn't want. Can I get an amen, fellas? Right? Like they, they don't know where they want to eat, but they know where they don't want to eat. But here's the thing. And I've even found this out. They don't even know what they don't want until you say it. Right? So it's one of those things with my wife. I know I'll be like, hey, let's go here. And she's like, ah, I don't really want that. And I'm like, I thought you didn't care. Like I thought, you know, so, uh, so what I think someone should do is open a restaurant that's called I don't know or I don't care. Um, and then we can just go there every time I hear I don't know or I don't care. Now, I love my wife. And that's just a joke that we're <laughs> about that. It's kind of true, but it's still a joke nonetheless. Right? So the reality is this. Uh, we go through a series of responses when it comes down to that, right? So we kind of go through this three-step process. We start in passive, like we become passivity. So we become passive about it. It's like, listen, babe, whatever you want. How many husbands have said that before? Whatever you want, right? We're passive. And then we go to an active state where it's like, okay, how about we go here, right? Um, and then that gets shut down three or four times. And then we get to the productive phase, right? Where it's like, okay, so now we're agreeing on this place and we can go here. And the wife really says what she wants and what she's kind of wanted the whole time. Time, and then we end up going where she wants to go. That's kind of the way it works, right? Um, so, uh, but that response, that kind of three-phase response, it actually uh, actually exists uh, in another spectrum, which is fathering. Now, I want to point this out to you and kind of help it make sense, right? So, as fathers, we have the same three responses to how we approach our homes. All right. So, say fathering. All right, let's try that again. Stay fathering. So here's how this works, right? So as a father, we run into a three-step response when it comes to things. Number one, we fall into the trap of passivity. 
And the trap of passivity gives away the responsibility to someone else. You see, our temptation as a father, right, is to give the relation, or to give the control, to give uh, the authority, to become passive about the spiritual authority in our homes, right? And I've talked to so many men, so many fathers, and they'll acknowledge that the wife is actually the spiritual leader in their home. You see, that shouldn't be the case. We as men, we as fathers, we can't be passive. We can be passive about a lot of things. We can be indifferent about a lot of things in our homes, but being the spiritual leader is not one of them. It's our responsibility as fathers to be the spiritual leader in our home, to guide, to encourage, to lift, to show, to to take on this journey towards Jesus and to take our family with us. And so we can be passive about a lot of things, but being the spiritual is not one of them. So passivity is the trap. So then what happens? Our response is to counteract passivity with activity, right? So then we become active. It's like, okay, I don't want to be passive, so let me become active. And how many guys know that being active doesn't mean you're being productive? You see, being active, for many of us, we are trying to show our family we're the leader by working hard. For many of us, we're trying to show our family that we are the ones that they can look up to by how much we earn, by the money that we make, by the job or career that we have, by the titles that we hold in the professional world. And for many people, I'm not saying everyone, but for many of us, we can fall into the trap of being active, but not productive. We can fall into the trap of trying to say, look at all these things that I do, but the one thing that God really needs us to do in our home, we're not doing, and that's being the leader. And at some point we have to go from activity to this last one, which is productivity. And the desire of God for each of us is not that we would just have activity, but that we would be and have productivity, that we would be productive in our homes. You see, as fathers in our homes, as the spiritual leaders in our home, we will reproduce spiritually not what we wish we were, but what we actually are. Hear this for a second. I want you to grab a hold of this, fathers. For many of us, we pray that our children become better than us. We hope that they become better than us. And hear me for a second. Some of us have to acknowledge that our children, if they become, they're they're not looking at us seeing the versions of us that we wish we were. You see, We actually have to show them the version of us that we're becoming. As God takes us on a journey and he molds us and he encourages us and he guides us through the process that we're gonna talk about today, as God makes us into his image, as he conforms us into who God is in us, as we start to reflect Jesus in a better way, now we're showing our kids who they should become. You see, our kids aren't gonna see the version of us we wish we were. Our kids see the version of us that we actually are. I have a pastor friend of mine uh, uh, he's a little bit older now and, and, uh, his daughter leaned over the back seat one day and she said, daddy, I have a question for you. They were heading home from church. And, uh, she said, how come you're not at home the same way you are at church? And he said, if she was one of my staff members, I would have fired her. Okay. But the reality is this, how many of us pretend to be something that we're not actually, As fathers, we can put on the face, we can put on the show, we can show people this version of us that we wish we were, but in reality, our family knows the truth. Those of us that spend the most time with our fathers, we know who they actually are. So hear me, fathers, and this is my challenge to you today. Become the version of the father your family needs you to be, not the one you wish you were. In other words, connect who you wish you were 
to who you are and make that journey to become the father that God has designed and destined you to be. Make that connection. And hear me, there is a process that can help you get there. And we want to take you on that journey today. So as fathers, we're supposed to be reproducing because again, you reproduce who you are, not who you wish you were. I want to say that again. You reproduce who you are, not who you wish you were. So how about we become who God has created us to be? And there's three ways that we can do that. We want to give those to you today. And the first one is we can become who God has designed us to be by having a desire for the word of God desire for the word of God, like what he has written for us, what he has designed in here. If we have a passion, if we have a desire to go to this book every day, if we have a desire to go to this living word that God has given us and established for us, we can start to be conformed into who God is trying to make us. And it's an example of what it means to worship God, to, to live for God. Ephesians 6, 4 says it like this. It says, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up with the discipline and instruction. Say instruction. The discipline and instruction that comes from your own heart. That's not what it says. The discipline and instruction that comes from the way you were raised. That's not what it says. As godly fathers, we have to raise them up with the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. Well, how do we know what that discipline and instruction looks like? Where God leads us right here. You see, we have to lead our children in the grace that God has afforded to us and the mercy that God has afforded to us. We have to lead our children in the life that God is leading us to have. We should be the ones that encourage uh, our, our children. Listen, every child should find the reflection of grace in their heavenly father and the image of their earthly one. When you walk through the doors of your home, you should bring with you the joy that represents the joy that is found in God. So when your family is around you, are, are they around you and walking on eggshells when you come home because they don't know which version of you is coming home? Are you the one that uh, they are cautious around because they don't know if you're going to be angry or if you're going to be upset? Or are, you, or are you the one that walks in the door and when you get home, peace comes through the door with you? When you get home, joy walks through the door with you. When, when you walk in the house, are you bringing the presence of God into the house? Are you representing God when you walk in the house? Because you should be a representation of who God is to your family. As fathers, that's what we should carry with us. And so uh, how you act, how you carry yourself, how you discipline, how you speak, how you love, all of those things should represent God in a magnificent way. As Christian fathers, we should be representing God to our families and showing them just a small fraction of what God looks like. And so my challenge to us today is how do we conform more to what God is telling us to be versus what we feel like we should be or how we were raised tells us to be. And David paints a great picture in Psalms of, of what it even looks like to have a desire and a passion for the word of God. He says it uh, like this in Psalms 119. He says, oh, how I love your law. In other words, your words, what is written. Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. Your commandment makes me wiser than my enemies for it is ever with me. I have more understanding than all my teachers for your testimonies are my meditation. He says, I understand more than the aged for I keep your precepts. I hold back my feet from every evil way in order to keep your word. I do not turn aside from your rules for you have taught me how sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. In other words, David is saying your word, your law, your book, what you've written to me, 
Man, it's sweeter than honey. It's what I want to digest. It's what I want in my life. I need it. It makes, it makes me who I'm supposed to be. And this is, this is how much David loved the word of God. And so we see him coming in and saying, man, we, we should have a passion for this. And as fathers, we should have a passion to go here. We should have a passion to read this, to digest the word of God and who it makes us. Not by law requirements, not by forcing us to conform, but a passion after God. This is the living word of God. Hear me for a second. That as you read it, you become transformed. And so as we read this, we start to take on the nature of God. Why? Because this is the living word that God has established for us. After the word of God, we have to have a desire for the presence of God. A desire for the presence of God. And an example of what it means to love God. An example of what it means to love him. Man, a desire for his presence, a desire to love God, a desire to be where he's at. Man, we should have a place, man. Psalms uh, 63, one through three says it like this. You, God, are my God. Earnestly, I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. He says, I have seen you in the sanctuary and behold your power and your glory because your love is better than life. My words will glorify you. Hear hear what David is saying. He's saying, man, I love the presence of God. And here's something that I want you to understand as fathers, right? Because it's not just my thoughts, It's not just my innermost reflections. It's not just what I put in my journal. It's not just for car rides home. What what David is saying is that there should be a declaration and a desire to know and be in the presence of God. The spirit of God should be with us and we should acknowledge that. And so here's a a question that I have for you and you don't have to answer this out loud around your family, but fathers, Do you declare in front of your family your desire to be close to God? A desire for the presence of God. Because again, the presence of God and the word of God is what molds you. It's what shapes you. And hear me for a second. There is enough in our world trying to shape us into something that doesn't look like God. Are we proactively going after the things that do shape us into the image of God? We've got social media, we've got news channels, we've got newspapers, sorry, for all of you that are under 20 years old, newspapers are these things they used to print that we would read before Facebook gave us all of our news updates, right? So like, no, but in all seriousness, there's enough things out there trying to conform us into some image that doesn't represent God. Are you proactively going to the word and the presence of God that conforms you into the image of God? Because hear me, that's what your family needs. That's what your home needs. It doesn't need another representation of the world. What it needs is a representation of God in heaven. And so do you represent that well? And if you don't, hear me, that's not the time to beat up on yourself. Now's the time to change it. The beauty behind right now is whatever has happened up until this point can change. You can alter direction. You can change your course. You can become the captain of the ship. You can steer the wheel and start going on a trajectory that would help you get to the word of God, get into the presence of God to become conformed into the person of God that he would have you be so that you can lead your family well. As fathers, that is our responsibility. So we have a desire for the presence of God. Again, when you walk in the door, 
Do you bring with you the presence of God? When you walk in the door, do you bring with you the character of God, the joy, the peace, righteousness? Do you bring with you self-control? Are you the one that flies off the handle in your home? But hear me for a second. As you go to the word, as you go to the presence, you become the person that God has designed you to be. As our faith is put in Jesus and as he has made us new, we become sanctified. In other words, we become set apart. We become transformed because the day I met Jesus in an instant, he saved me. But now I'm on a journey of becoming like him, which means I'm being sanctified. I'm being in the process of becoming like Jesus each day. I have to do everything I can do to get to, I mean, go to the word. Go to his presence. But as I do those things, he does his part and meets me where I'm at to conform me into who he wants us to be so that we can be in our homes who he needs us to be. And lastly, a desire for the house of God. As we're being godly men, we have a desire for the house of God. An example of what it means to be productive in the kingdom of God. A a desire for the house You see, uh, for many of us, we have to have a desire for the place where we worship together. We have to have a desire. And and as fathers, we're not the dictator. We shouldn't be the demander, but what we should be is the leader. What we should be is the encourager. When we wake up on Sunday mornings, what we should be is the one that leads our family in the direction that we should go. And Psalms 27, four says it like this. It says, one thing I ask from the Lord And this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple, to seek him in his house. And and that's the beauty behind coming together, the house of God. We should have a desire to be connected to the house, a desire to be connected to the church, a desire to be connected to where God is leading us and what he's shaping us into, a desire to be part of a house where Jesus is lifted up and our family can worship him together. Listen to me, as fathers, your family should see you worship Jesus, not just talk about him. As fathers, our family should see us lift our hands, sing with our voices, and look to Jesus to be our everything, not just talk about him. We should love him. We should put our affection on him. And for some of you, that's a difficult process for you. But I'm here to tell you today, we should have a desire for the house of God, the place where we worship and our children see us worship and together we lift up the name of Jesus, a house where it's at. And, and for some of you, you may be sitting out there right now and you may go, but... And I, I'm, I'm a single mother right now and, and there's no father in my home. Or maybe uh, you're a young man or a young woman who hasn't even had a great father representation. This message just kind of feels lost on you a little bit. Hear me for a second. All the applications apply. All of what we just talked about, it applies to you. So no matter where you're at in this stage, I want you to understand something. It's this, a fatherless home doesn't mean a fatherless heart. Just because you may come from a home where a father isn't represented doesn't mean that you can't go to God where your heavenly father can establish inside of you what it looks like to be loved the way a father should love you. And I'll even say this, the reason why it's so important to be connected, to have a desire for the house of God, your church, the place where you go to worship is because maybe you have kids who don't have a father. Maybe you are a young man or a young woman who hasn't had a great example of what a father looks like, but you can come to a house. And I 
can't speak for every church, but here at Transformation Church, one of our desires, it's even built into our TC code, lift out and reach up. It means that we run to embrace and affirm sons and daughters. In other words, it doesn't matter where you've come from. There are people in this house that are ready to love you and show you what a father should look like, even if you've never had one, even if you've never been led like that, even if you don't know what affirmation looks like and encouragement looks like to come from a father figure. There are spiritual father figures that are ready to show you and encourage you and lead you and love you and introduce you to the heavenly father that can solve all of those things, heal every wound, everything you've had, every insecurity, everything, every wall you've built up that has pushed people away because a father has hurt you. Transformation Church wants to be a house where you can meet your heavenly father and he can tear all of those things down and rebuild you whole. That God wants to establish in you the identity, the affirmation, the approval, and the love that a father brings. That's why being connected to a godly house is so important. Because it's in that place where the version of fatherhood that you saw can be removed and the version of fatherhood that God has for you can be established. He steps in and says, let me show you. So a desire for the house is so important. And so for you None of this has changed. It means you get to look to Jesus for your example. So as men, as fathers, we go to the word of God and it introduces us, it changes us. And, and, and here's the reality. For some of us, uh, we, ha- we don't have a problem doing tangible things to see tangible results, right? So we don't have a problem uh, working hard every day because as we work hard, we can see the tangible result from working hard. And we don't have a problem doing physical things to get physical results, but for some of us, we have a hard time doing spiritual things because we can't see spiritual results. But as a father and as people, we should be going to the word of God because what you can't see is that you may tangibly, you may physically, you may naturally go to the word of God and you may not see natural results, but guess what? There will be supernatural results. There will be spiritual results. You may go to the presence of God and you may not feel physical results. You may not feel natural results, but as you go to the presence of God and spend time with him, there will be supernatural results. There will be spiritual results. You may go to the house of God and you may not always feel like something is changing. As you go, you're being conformed. Why? Because as you're being fed the word, as you're worshiping Jesus, you and your family are changing. Why? Because there are supernatural results that come from natural things that produce you becoming and your family becoming everything that God has destined you to be. So we go to the word, we go to the presence and we go to the house. But for you, You have to understand that God is destiny. None of this has changed. Like It just means you get to look to Jesus. So whether you're a single mother, whether you're a young man or woman, or whether you're a father right now, we get to look to Jesus to be our example. In Romans 3.10, it says this, there is none righteous, no, not one. And for fathers, it's the same. We look to Jesus to be our example. You see, a father is to have sacrificial. He's to be sacrificial. He's to be assertive. He's to be active. He's to be productive. He's to have sacrificial, assertive, active, and productive. But here's the thing. He should have all of that in his faith, not just in his works. So here's the question I have for you. Is your spiritual life in your home one that is sacrificial? You know, we have men in our church who work hard. They work hard to bring home paychecks. They work hard to put roofs over their head. Some of our guys right now that are behind cameras that you can't even see right now. My man Joe owns a restaurant. He works nine days a week at his restaurant. 
right? He, he like, he, he's doing everything, but can I tell you something? The greatest thing he's going to do in his home is not bring home the paycheck from his restaurant. It's going to bring home the presence of God for his family. And for you fathers that are watching right now, the greatest thing you're going to do in your home is not going to be bringing home the paycheck. It's going to be bringing home the presence. It's going to be representing God when you walk in the door. It's going to be bringing the spirit of God into the house with you when you walk in. That joy walks in with you. That peace walks in with you. That self-control walks in with you. You know, I've had friends uh, speak to me and I had one friend speak to me specifically about being a father. And he said this in reference to fathering children. He said, Brad, you discipline children for being disobedient, but you don't, diso- you don't discipline children for being childish. And that kind of like, I had to sit in that for a second because I've seen so many fathers discipline their children for being childish. And what we should be doing as fathers is we should be loving our children, encouraging our children. And when the time is necessary for discipline, absolutely do that. But here's the thing, for so many of us, we're so strung out on physical things that when we have the opportunity to show our children spiritual things, we don't have time for it. We don't have the energy for it. We don't have the patience for it. We're too tired. Can I tell you something? There is nothing more important for your family than how you are representing God to your family. So as fathers, that's our job. That's how we should lead. And and again, if you're watching this and you don't have a father or if you're a single mother, that's our job is still to go to the word. Our job is still to lead them into the presence. Our job is still to bring them to the house. And in doing so, God will establish what they need here in our home. We've got a number of young men in our church. Some of them are, are actually my spiritual sons and they don't have fathers. Naturally, They don't have fathers around them. They don't get a card to give to a father on Father's Day. But you know who they text on Father's Day? Me. You want to know why? Because in this house, we have built a house where young men, young women can be fathered. They can be taught. They can be led. They can be encouraged. We can go through life and and introduce them to who Jesus is. And there's power even if you've never had it before, there's power in connecting to a spiritual place where fathering is essential to the health and growth of who you are. So you have to understand this. As fathers, we should be sacrificial. We should be assertive. We should be active. We should be productive in our actions, but also in our faith. But here's the thing I want you to understand. You shouldn't do those things so that you earn your place in God. You do those things because you have a place with God. And for so many fathers, they get it all mixed up. You see, we don't have a great theological understanding of God. In other words, we don't have a a great understanding of who God is and what he's done for us and how he sees us. For many of us, we know what our thoughts are throughout the week. For many of us, we know what our thoughts are throughout the day. And when it comes time to being with the Lord, we really have a hard time going to God because shame, confusion, guilt, conviction, it makes us so distracted. We have a hard time seeing God clearly. We feel like we have to earn it. And because we haven't earned it, we can't go to him. Here's what I want you to grab a hold of today. 
You don't do these things to earn a place with God. You do these things because you have a place with God. Just like your children don't come home and do things around the house to earn their place in the house, they do those things because they have a place in the house. And here's what I want you to understand. This is so key. I believe many people aren't being productive. They're not being active in their faith because they feel overwhelmed by the pressure to perform in front of God. You can't be sacrificial, assertive, active, or productive to the best of your ability, making every effort to be as righteous as possible, hoping to earn the merit and approval of God. Just like we said in Romans 3.10, there's none righteous, no, not one. So here's what I want you to understand. You have to change your fatherly perspective to become productive. You have to see God correctly to become productive in the spirit. You have to see who God really is to become productive in the kingdom. So you have to change your fatherly perspective to become productive. And Ephesians 2, 8 through 9 says this, for by grace you have been saved through faith. So by grace you have been saved through faith and this is not your own doing. I want you to get this. This is not your own doing. You haven't accomplished this. It's the gift of God. This is something he's giving you. It's something that's free. It's something that's not gonna cost you anything, but it costs Jesus everything. He says, it's not a result of works. In other words, you can work as hard as you want. You can earn that title. You can get that degree. You can go after that career. You can even work hard in the kingdom and you can serve at church. You can be on the dream team. You can lead a small group, but those things don't get you closer to God. They don't get you access to him. This is not a result of works so that no one can boast. And in other words, what I want you to understand today is what God is giving you, it's not based on what you do. It's based on who he is. God is giving you something today. It's a free gift. And today you don't have to stand before God earning your place, fathers. Stand before God because he's given you a place. For those of you that have put your faith in Jesus, your faith is in him. You, you've turned away from your sin and you've confidently put your faith in Jesus and what he did on the cross, paid for your sins, gave you a brand new life. There's nothing you can do to earn that. It's a free gift. But as you walk in that free gift, let it change you. Have a desire to go to this word and be conformed by, by reading it. It's a living word, he said. Go to his presence where he molds you and makes you into who he would have you to be. And go to the house of God where he encourages you and leads you. He connects you to community where together we get to go on this journey of becoming everything that God has destined us to be. I wanna take you back to James 5, 16 because in the beginning we read this. I wanna make sure you got it. It says, the effective fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Now, I want you to grab a hold of it. Matthew Henry, in his commentary, puts words to this, and I want to read it to you because I want you to understand, for some of us, we pray, but I don't know that we pray with power. We pray, but I don't know that we pray with hope. We pray because we know we should, but are we praying from a place of believing that God will move on our behalf? And here's what he says. Not any man's prayer, but of the righteous man who is justified by the righteousness of Christ 
and has the truth of grace in him. In other words, your position of righteousness allows your prayer to truly be heard by God. Not because of what you've done, but because of what Jesus has done. When you've put your faith in Jesus, you put in, you're now in the position of Jesus' righteousness. Not any prayer of a righteous person is of avail, but that which is effectual and fervent. So even if you have righteousness, that doesn't mean you're praying effectual, fervent prayers. He says that which is effectual and fervent, that has power and energy and life in it. In other words, our prayer should have power. It should have energy. It should have life. It should be passionate prayer, a prayer which is put up with fervency and not in a cold, lukewarm, lifeless, formal, and customary way. It is but one one word in the original text, and some translate the word inspired. In other words, do you pray inspired prayers over your children? Do you pray powerful, passionate prayers over your home? Are you declaring powerful, passionate prayers over your marriage, over your home, over your children, over their lives? The Spirit of God breathes into men the breath of spiritual life and they live and being quickened by him, they breathe and prayer is the breath of the spiritual man. Such a prayer cannot fail of success because true prayer is not what is written in a book, but what is established in the heart by the Spirit of God. Prayer for your family, prayer for your home, fathers, is what is established by the Spirit of God in your life. Today, go after Him. So, what does that mean? Let's become fathers of righteousness through grace. Let's become fathers of effective and fervent prayer. And fathers, let's avail. Let's avail. Let's see breakthrough. Let's see change. And up until this point, maybe that's not been you. I'm here to tell you today, have a desire for the word. Have a desire for the presence. Have a desire for the house. And let's watch God transform us into the fathers he has designed us to be. Let's pray today. Father, we thank you. We thank you that you are with us and we thank you that you lead us and that you guide us. We thank you, God, that you didn't leave us where we were, but you came and found us to take us to where you are. So God, for every father, I pray that you inspire, you encourage, you uplift. Father, you lead, you direct, you guide, Father, us to become fathers of the kingdom of God. And for those who are listening today who are single mothers who don't have a father in the home, I pray that you lead them to the word, you lead them to your presence and you lead them to the house where God, where their children and they can be encouraged and led by the heavenly father, but also by spiritual fathers. For those who are out there who don't have a father represented, young men and women who are diligently seeking you, but they don't have someone to help represent that. I pray that they go to the word. I pray that they go to the presence and I pray that they go to the house and that it would find spiritual fathers, both a heavenly father, which is you, but spiritual fathers on earth that would lead and guide them as well. Encourage us today. We love you. Help us as fathers and us as people represent you to the world. We thank you and we love you. In Jesus' name, if you're watching us today, you're listening, you need Jesus in your life. You are at a place where you need a new beginning. Maybe you know God, or maybe you know enough about God to know that your life isn't right with God, but today you are saying, you know what, Brad, I, I need a new beginning. Sin has consumed my life and I've tried doing things my way, but that hasn't worked. What I know is right now there's a prompting in my heart. I feel something 
tugging on my spirit and I need to make a decision for Jesus today. I, I, I need change. The beauty is this, that righteousness we just talked about, that free gift that we just talked about, it's available to you right now. You see, Jesus has made a way through giving his life on the cross for you to not have to pay for your own sins, but to put your faith in him that he's paid for your sins. And today, if you wanna know him, the Bible says that we repent of our sins, which means we turn away from them, never to go back. But we put our faith in Jesus and that faith is what inspires us and helps make us new through the grace of God. And today, if you want that brand new start, today, if you want that new beginning, I'm gonna invite you to pray this prayer with me. And this prayer doesn't make you saved. What this prayer is doing is putting words to the actions of your heart that is saying, I'm giving my life to Jesus today. So uh, let's pray this prayer. I wanna invite you to repeat after me. Say, dear Jesus, forgive me. Forgive me of my sins. Forgive me of my wrongs. I believe in you. I believe you died for me. I believe you paid for my sins. So I give you my life. Make me brand new. Give me a fresh start. In Jesus' name, amen.